0: Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So, whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Good morning. Uh, great to be singing this uh, hymn right before our message here. Uh, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. That's where we left off last uh, last Sunday. Uh, No condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus in Romans chapter 8. Uh, And today we will be in Romans 8, verse 14 to 25. I wish you all uh, fathers here a happy Father's Day. It's a privilege and a blessing to be a father and uh, to have godly fathers. uh, uh, Your own father uh, as well as uh, fathers, father figures uh, that have been in my life as well as in uh, many of your lives uh, that have uh, trained us, that have... uh, led us uh, and pointed us to the Great Father who is above. Uh, It's just such a privilege, and uh, uh, I rejoice and I'm thankful for uh, our Heavenly Father. Romans chapter 8, and uh, we're going to read Romans chapter 8, and uh, verse 14 to 25. Verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, for I consider the suffering of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. for we have been saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what is what he sees but if he but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance let's uh, look to the lord uh, in prayer once more father we just thank you for this Privilege to call you, Abba, Father. You are the great God who redeemed our souls, who made us your own, who called us your children, sons of a living God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. Father, we thank you for your love, your care, Uh, your provisions, your protection, your wisdom, uh, your glorious hope that you have provided for us. And as we open up this word today, that you would help us uh, to see the Father above, see your perfect plan. Uh, Man sees not as God sees. And Father, we pray that you'd enable for us to have the vision of life beyond Uh, to the glory that you have awaiting for us. Help us, Lord, strengthen us as we go through this world that is filled with pain and suffering, that our Lord Jesus Christ would be seen and he would be preeminent, that we would await the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Father, we look to you, we wait for him. We give you thanks for your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. So in Romans chapter 8, last week we looked at our position, Uh, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus, Uh, our perspective, setting our mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, uh, looking to Jesus who is the perfecter of our faith, Uh, we looked at our power. Uh, Our power being not of ourselves, but of the Spirit of God that he has given into our lives. Uh, When Lord Jesus Christ left, he told his disciples, I'm going away, but I'll give you a helper. Uh, And he also told his disciples, it is good that I'm going away, because if I go away, the Spirit will come and reside with you. So he has given us the power. And... The purpose associated with it is where we ended uh, in Romans chapter 8 and uh, the words preceding uh, to verse 14 where we read that we are to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Uh, And if we put to death the deeds of the flesh, we will live. So today uh, we're going to be looking at, um, uh, you know, being sons of God. Uh, What does it mean to be an inheritor of God? Uh, What does it mean uh, to have glorified bodies and what does it mean to suffer while we are on this earth? I just have one slide because I have too many points, not just four points, but rather um, a multitude of them. So I decided I would uh, put it on a screen so that you can track through the thought flow while uh, we are going through this and this will be the only slide that I have today. So the title of today's message is Sons Preparing for Glory. We are all preparing uh, for the great revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we, pre- as we wait on the coming of our Lord, we prepare. We wait earnestly. Uh, and, uh, and God wants us to have a good perspective while we await His coming. In verse 14, and we won't be going verse by worse, uh, some verses we will stop and, uh, and go through it a little more than the others, but then just looking at it a little more broadly. Uh, the first item here that we would like to look at is, we are sons of God. Verse 14, we read, uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And verse 15, Uh, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father so uh, we looked at being led by the spirit of God Uh, led by the spirit of God we have the power, Uh, we even sang today, he leadeth me he leadeth me, Uh, he guides us he leads us uh, day in, day out Uh, he is our, our, our father in heaven and now the word led there in verse 14 uh, is the verb that means willingly led uh, you're not forcefully led uh, you're not com- you know uh, you're not asking uh, your sons to follow after you by compulsion but uh, there's a willingly leading and being led and following after the father in heaven and that is the idea you get here The next verse we read, uh, but you do not have the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, contrasting uh, the spirit of adoption, contrasting the Holy Spirit. There is this picture here of the spirit of bondage. The Jews uh, uh, thought of the reverential God and the difficulties it was with following all the rules and regulations that they had and they thought of it as bondage. But even more, uh, when we go all the way back to Exodus, uh, we see of the Israelites in bondage. Israelites in bondage under hard taskmasters. And that is not what God desires of us. Uh, By the Spirit of God, He leads us, He guides us. Uh, He is not an instrument in our hands but we are an instrument in his hands we are not leading him but he leads us as we yield ourselves into his mighty hand and what does he lead us into what is the assurance that he gives the sons of god Uh, he gives us the assurance that we are uh, of christ we are uh, saved by his blood of the fact that we are sons of God and children of God. Now, how does anyone become a son of God? In uh, Galatians chapter three and verse 26, we read, for you are all sons of God, and it doesn't end there, through faith in Christ Jesus. You have trusted Christ Jesus to be your savior. You are a son of God, The, the God of all creation, the God of all glory, the God who sustains you, the God who built you in your mother's womb. Uh, He is your God. He is your father and you are his son. If you put your faith and trust in him. In John chapter one and verse 12, we read, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be the children of God. Now, in, 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 in these verses, we also see the Holy Spirit being called the spirit of adoption, uh, the, the word son of God and then the spirit of adoption. Uh, the word adoption in the New Testament refers to being placed in the family of God, uh, not as a baby, but rather as an adult or mature son. So, so there are two words, words that are used uh, normally uh, in the Greek for children or sons. Uh, One is the born ones, uh, that is, you're born into the family of God, and the other one that is used is uh, being placed into the family of God as an adult or mature son, and and that is uh, the one that is used in this passage over here. The moment we put our faith and trust in Christ, God the Father has given us the position Of an adult son and we will look a little more into the details of what that means uh, as we move forward so being placed uh, uh, in God's house as an adult son uh, there is specialness there is blessings there is uh, just joy there uh, in being placed uh, in a household that loves you right uh, you know i always think of uh, adoption as something that is so special to the heart of god adopting one who maybe lost everything one who uh, you know maybe did not have the love uh, the love of a real father to be placed as an adult son with all the responsibilities all the blessings all the the things that come along with being a son being a daughter Uh, into a new household uh, that loves that little child or loves that little person. Uh, It's so precious to God. And we see that preciousness here uh, in the blessing that we as children of God have to call our father Mm -hmm. as Abba Father, Abba Father. Nowhere in the New Testament, so uh, let me uh, backtrack a little bit. You know, when you look at the word Abba, it is an Aramaic word. And there are very few words in the New Testament that are Aramaic words that never ended up being translated into the Greek. Uh, and this is one of them, because uh, the writers of the New Testament couldn't find an equivalent that would reflect all that Abba meant abba father no jew ever called his uh, called the lord god of heaven as a father uh, no jew ever uh, would dare call god as abba uh, some jews would call him jehovah which means the i am but again with so much trepidation and great fear uh, but mostly they would call him adonai or lord but transitioning from the old to the new in Christ Jesus as sons of God. Uh, yes, there is reverential fear, as our brother brought about in our first meeting, but there is safety in that fear. There is love in that fear. And now that relationship is something that is so special that you can call him Abba Father. And the contemporary word that uh, you know and again would be nothing close to what uh, you know God intended for that word to be but it would be very equivalent to calling God dear daddy dear daddy and it's just so special Abba emphasizes the warm intimate and very personal relationship that exists between the believer and God In Abba is the filial tenderness, the trust and love that finds its combined expression. We see the Lord Jesus Christ when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And what did he pray? He prayed, Abba, Father, if it is in your will, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Abba, Father, the relationship of our Lord Jesus Christ with his father above uh, in submitting to him in doing and accomplishing his will the cry of abba is the first mark of a new life uh, in christ jesus the sign of being a christian the sign of being a child of god you know your father when you call uh, your father abba or dear daddy so uh, transitioning on in verse 17 we read Uh, for if children then heirs. If children then heirs. Uh, So now uh, we get into the privileges of being a son. You're placed into the household of God as an adult as a mature son. You're born into the household of God and placed as an adult son and now you have an heir or you have an inheritance. Uh, We have an inheritance. Now, uh, an heir means, uh, what does an heir mean? Again, for uh, kids, just to uh, make sure that you understand this, an heir means one who obtains uh, a a lot or a portion, or whatever the father has, whatever the family has belongs to you, Uh, a lot or a portion, one who obtains a lot or a portion. You can picture this in this way. So as a born son into the household of God, if you were a baby uh, in a house, your dad's not gonna come and give you the checkbook and say, hey, use it as much as you would like. But then as this baby matures on and now you can look, at, think about it as a mature son, as a son who is 25 years old and uh, he has continued to have the checkbook of his dad uh, now he has the ability to cash in on the resources that his dad has provided him uh, because he's a mature son. And that happens right from the moment we put our trust and faith in Christ. There is no waiting period for the believer in Christ Jesus. Everything belongs to him in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, we well uh, even before we go to Hebrews, in uh, 1 Peter in chapter 1 and verse 3, we read, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that which does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of god Uh, so we have an inheritance we have an inheritance blessed be god and the father of our Lord jesus christ who has given us this living hope he has uh, given us an inheritance uh, that is not subject to decay he has given us an inheritance that will not be spoiled he has given us an inheritance that will never ever fade in its glory or grandeur he has given us a an inheritance and not just the fact that he has given us an inheritance but he also keeps the believer in Christ Jesus, keeps the son, keeps the child of God, are kept by the power of God to be uh, to his inheritance or to receive his inheritance. Uh, he just doesn't uh, give us his inheritance and says okay uh, good luck uh, but rather he uh, He keeps us, he carries us, and he brings us home uh, to glory. So what is this inheritance? We are all beneficiaries of God, um, but what is this inheritance? There are many inheritances that we know of and hear of, being in Christ Jesus, reigning with God, the earth, uh, you know, judging the world uh, with Christ Jesus, everything that Christ has is ours, uh, all those things that come with being an heir. But uh, I would submit to you the most important, the most precious thing of being an heir is God himself. God himself will be our portion. God himself will be our inheritance. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3, we read, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. The Old Testament saints so much knew about this. Their hearts yearning and and longing would be for the Jehovah or Adonai uh, to be with him. And, And in Psalm 73, the psalmist would say like this, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is none on earth that I desire more than you. My heart and my flesh will fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is our portion. God is our inheritance. We read in verse 17, we will also be joined heirs with Christ. God appointed his son to be heir over all things. We read in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. And everything that the son has, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has, will be given to us as an adopted, mature son of God in the household of God. Uh, William Newell put it in this way, that a guilty, lost, wretched child of Adam, the first, the Adam the first, should have written of him a joint heir with Christ, the eternal maker of all things, the well beloved of the Father, the righteous one, the prince of life. Only God, the God of all grace, could prepare such a destiny for such a creature. Wretched sinners like us the God of all grace, bestowing his righteousness upon us uh, and giving us all that we have in Christ Jesus, and he is enough. So practically, what does all this mean to us? Being an heir, being a joined heir. What does it mean to us? It it puts our minds and our hearts in perspective, doesn't it not? Um, If I'm an heir, the earthly things will shrink away, or the thoughts of earthly things will shrink away. Uh, In the light of his glory, in the light of his grace, Uh, those things will fade away. And secondly, I can run to my father at any time of need, at any hour of need. uh, I can run to my daddy and call him, dear daddy, help me. And that is the privilege that we as sons of God have. As heirs, as uh, sons of God, as children of God. So the next point that I'd like to look into is uh, the glorious bodies that we are going to be receiving or glorified together. In verse 17, the latter part of verse 17, we read if indeed we suffer with him we'll also be glorified together. We'll look at glorified together before we look into the suffering part. And in verse 23 we read eagerly awaiting for the adoption the redemption of our body. So our inheritance includes glorified bodies that is part of our inheritance we will receive god himself uh, and we will also receive glorified bodies in first john chapter 3 and verse 2 we read beloved we are children god's children now and what we will be uh, has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is Glorification is being conformed to Christ Jesus, Uh, conformed to Christ Jesus, um, conformed to the image of Christ, uh, the supremacy of all that Christ is and being conformed to that. Our bodies and our minds and our hearts will be so completely renovated that nothing could stand in the way of us savoring Christ for all that he is worth. Now, think about it in this way. Uh, if you were to have appeared in glory, if, if, if the Lord were to come today and we were to have this current bodies, if we stayed in this present condition of physically and mentally and spiritually failing bodies, uh, you know, what would be our capacity to glorify God? Our capacity to enjoy the new heavens, that our capacity to enjoy the new earth, our capacity to enjoy the Lord God Himself, it will be very pitiful. So, God promises us not only an incorruptible inheritance, but He also promises us a vast new capacity to enjoy our inheritance forever. And that is the glorious body. We must have glorious capacities in order to enjoy infinite glory. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, we read, he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, uh, for the former things have passed away. Provisions of glorious capacities to enjoy infinite glory. What a day that will be, to have a glorious body and to be glorified with him. So now we transition into the portion of suffering and and like to spend the rest of our time in this portion Uh, What does it mean to suffer? We read in verse 17 if indeed we suffer with him. We will also be glorified with him No pain no gain no crown no cross no crown Uh, Suffering precedes glory for every saint in Christ Jesus. No one is excluded from it Uh, if we just look around we see death and all of us are dying in one way or the other, we are all crumbling back to the dust. And so in a way, today maybe I don't have a pain, uh, but tomorrow I may. But in the end, eventually, we are all going to be hit with suffering in one form or the other. If you haven't suffered much uh, up until now, uh, be sure that it will come. And God has inspired the section of scriptures so that you will be ready to fight the good fight, uh, the good fight of faith, and not be conquered by despair and unbelief when that hits you. So what is the suffering? So the points that I have there. So what suffering is the writer uh, talking about here? Is it just persecution? Uh, Maybe Paul was talking about persecution because of the persecutions that he was facing as a Christian um, in in the Roman world, maybe, yes. But even more so, I would submit to you, suffering over here uh, encompasses everything, persecution, earthquakes, tsunamis, cancer, birth defects, miscarriages, depression, mental ailments, arthritis, all kinds of diseases, fatal accidents, and even death itself. And the subsequent verses over here will shed a little more light into, uh, into that. So, so just looking at the second question. So who is the object of the suffering? Uh, is it unbelievers? Uh, is it uh, you know, uh, only creation? Uh, is it people that don't have Christ Jesus? Uh, or is it believers as well and we see in this passage that it is everyone so in verse 20 we read creation was subjected to futility so everything that God created was subjected to futility Uh, in verse 21 we read creation is under the bondage of corruption it is decaying everything that God created it's decaying the whole world groans, verse 22, the whole creation groans and labors with birth banks. You know, Who has birth banks? Living beings. Uh, the whole creation. And verse 23 if there was any moment of doubt whether it applied only to creation and not to human beings, verse 23 sets, you know, uh, you know, closes the deal there. We read over, over there the first fruits of the Spirit. Who are the first fruits of the Spirit? believers in Christ Jesus, you and I who are bought by the blood of the Lamb, we ourselves groan, eagerly awaiting for the adoption of the body, eagerly awaiting for Christ Jesus to come and for us to have that glorified body. So who does this apply to? Uh, who is the subject or who is the object of the suffering? All of us, believers in Christ Jesus, unbelievers, uh, the creation in and of itself the planets, the stars, the oceans. Uh, we read in Isaiah 24, verse 4 to 6, the earth mourns, it withers away, the world languishes, the earth lies defiled. Um, and when you look at history, like uh, every single moment in history, uh, you know there was not a, a moment in history where people did not suffer, people suffered. Uh, we read over here, up until the present time, Uh, you know, until now, verse 18, sufferings of this present time. And it will be present time sufferings until our Lord Jesus Christ appears. So the next question over here is, who subjected creation to suffering or futility or labor pains? Who subjected it? And that should open our eyes and minds a little more uh, into how we see suffering once we know who subjected it to suffering. In verse 20 we read, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Was it Adam uh, who subjected uh, the world to futility? Uh, Was it Eve? Was it the snake? Uh, was uh, Was it the devil himself that subjected the world to futility? I would say this verse over here uh, the secret there lies in because of him who subjected it in futility. Uh, did Adam uh, subject creation to groaning so that there would be hope? Did Satan uh, who does not even know the spelling of hope uh, did he subject it to sub- subject the world's to futility so that there'll be hope someday? Absolutely not. God subjected the world to futility, and this should ch- drastically change our perspective of suffering. God is in it. Uh-huh. You know, one of the uh, verses that we held very close to our hearts when we were going through a difficult time uh, was Lamentations chapter three. You know, though he causes grief, yet he will have compassion, according to the multitude of his mercies, for he does not afflict willingly, nor greet the sons of men. He does not afflict willingly. So that leads us into the next question. Why was creation subjected to futility? Why was it subjected to futility? Why did God subject it to futility? In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we read, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God all have sinned and therefore the world was subjected to futility when Adam sinned death and suffering and futility and groaning came into the world Uh, why because God said so God said eat of the tree and you will die Genesis chapter 3 and verse uh, 2 and verse 17 Uh, he cursed the ground we read we also read, uh, you know, he he told the, uh, the man, like, hey, you know, you are going to work and you're going to toil and labor uh, and you're going to sweat. Uh, this is all futility now uh, because of your sin, Adam, because of your sin, mankind. Uh, he told the women, you will sorrow uh, and I will greatly multiply your sorrow. He told the snake, he told the A snake uh, cursed are you uh, and he says over here cursed are you in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14 you don't have to turn there because you have done this you are cursed more than the cattle and more than every beast of the field what does that imply Uh, yes the snake was cursed but everything else was cursed as well because of sin and futility that entered into the world because of sin so all creation uh, was subjected to futility because of our sin, because of our sin. Every earthquake or tsunami or cancer or accidental death or school shooting or sufferings of a loved one should remind us of one thing, the ugliness of sin. The ugliness, the dreadfulness, the ghastliness, the horridness, the horrific impacts that sin has in your life and in my life. Why was creation subjected to futility? It was subjected to futility uh, because of God's judicial decree uh, as a result of my sin, as a result of our sin. And creation was subjected to futility to show us uh, the horridness and the hideousness of our sin. So just transitioning very fast in, in the next five minutes or so into the five elements of suffering in this passage. In verse eighteen, uh, we see the, the trans yeah transitory nature of our suffering. In verse uh, verse eighteen, sorry, suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will that shall be revealed in us. Uh, It is not worthy. So there's a comparison there. The present time, uh, all those things that we as human beings have to go through until we reach glory, it's not worthy when compared to the eternity that is awaiting us. Not worthy. Uh, In John chapter 16, uh, there's a very good picture that the Lord Jesus Christ gives his disciples before he left. He told his disciples that uh, he was leaving and they were sorrowful very sorrowful that the Lord Jesus Christ who was with them was now going to be taken away. And 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 then he gives his analogy and he tells them this in you know the section from verse 19 to 22 of John chapter 16. You don't have to turn there, but you can read it when you get a chance. You will weep and lament, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. And then he goes to the picture of the analogy of a woman who is in anguish and labor while she is bearing a child and and then we read in that passage over there but as soon as she gives birth to the child she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being is born therefore you saw you will sorrow but you will see me again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will be able to take away from you the sorrows of this world are very transitionary we read in uh, psalm chapter 30 i believe it is and verse 5 weeping may endure for the night very transitionary but there is a morning coming and joy comes in the morning the weeping is transitionary but joy is enduring in second corinthians chapter 4 we read therefore do not lose heart Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions are but for a moment. When compared to the eternity that is awaiting us, this is just but for a moment. So the uh, transitory nature of our suffering. Uh, The next portion is uh, the great revelation of the great revelation of suffering. What is the great revelation of suffering? Verse nineteen, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So the universe, the galaxies, the creatures of God, uh, yeah, everything, all creation, the planets, the universe, they are all awaiting something. And what is this that they are awaiting? They earnestly and expectantly are awaiting the sons of God. There is a future glorious revelation uh, which all earth expectantly awaits. Today the sons of God look weary, look tired, look sick, look achy. uh, But that is only the beginning. In Matthew chapter 13, I love this verse. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43 we read, then the righteous will shine forth as sun." as the Son in the kingdom of the father, the righteous will shine forth as brilliant as the sun in the kingdom of the Lord God of heaven. In Colossians chapter three and verse four, we read, when Christ who is your life will appear, you will appear with him in glory. And that is the glorious liberty that we as children of God are brought into. There will be... Uh, No more tornadoes, no more tsunamis, no more forest fires, no more depression, no more pains, no need of Motrin's or Tylenols. Uh, Pharmacies will go out of business. No more diseases, no more COVID. Amen? So what is, so the next uh, one, the point that I have, the third of the five, is there is hope in futility. Uh, There is hope, God's final design Uh, is hope. We read in this verse, in verse 20, because of him who subjected it, yes, God subjected it, but he subjected it in hope. There is hope in the futility. God who subjected creation to futility uh, is the only one who can restore it back unto himself in all its perfections and grandeurs. back to the Garden of Eden before sin. It is only God that can restore this. And he started that work on Calvary's tree by sending his son to die for us. He has redeemed us out of every lawless deed and delivered us into the son, into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. He has cleansed us, he has washed us, he has robed us in righteousness, and he has presented us to the Father. He makes all things new. And, uh, In Isaiah chapter 65, and I I love this verse, in Isaiah 65 and verse 17, we read, Behold, I create the new heavens and the new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to pass. Uh, Not just the fact that he's going to restore us. He has restored us and restored our hearts in Christ Jesus. Uh, He now is preparing our inheritance uh, so that we can go and claim that inheritance and God himself for all that he is. He, create, you know, he creates the new heavens and the new earth, and he erases our memory of how it was in the past. The former things will not be remembered or come to even your mind because of the grandeur that you're going to be seeing in that day. Creation was subjected to futility in hope because God is the deliverer. He is the redeemer of mankind, not just our, not just our hearts, but also our bodies. Uh, two small things that I'd like to leave you before uh, before we pray uh, there you know in verse seventeen there is this small nugget there uh, when it comes to suffering if we suffer with Christ, if we suffer with Christ, we are not alone we are not alone he promised us to uh, he promised to never leave us nor forsake us uh, In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, we read that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering uh, uh, being conformed to his death. Uh, He is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us uh, if we suffer with Christ. Uh, Our beloved bridegroom, the lover of our soul, the one who sticks closer than a brother, Uh, will be with us his presence and his peace which passeth all human understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus while you go through difficulties in life and therefore he says fear not in Isaiah 43 and verse 2 we read when you pass by the waters I will be with you and through the rivers they will not overflow you when you walk through the fire you shall not be burned, nor the flame scorch you. Fear not, for I am with you. I love how uh, Paul, in his very last days, uh, in 2 second, uh, second Timothy and chapter 4, uh, as he was getting ready to be beheaded by the Roman Empire, uh, he would say this. He would say this in verse 17 and 18 of 2 uh, Timothy and chapter 4. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so the message might be fully preached through me that all Gentiles might hear. I was also delivered out of the mouth of the lion. In verse 18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, Paul knew what was lying ahead of him. His head was going to be beheaded he was going to be beheaded but what does he say he said the lord stood with me not behind me not ahead of me but he stood with me and he just did not stand with me but he gave me peace he strengthened me to endure and paul here would say in his very last words that the lord will deliver me out of every evil yes Indeed, he had an eternal perspective. Did God deliver Paul even in that beheading? Did God deliver Paul? Indeed, he did. Deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for what? For his heavenly kingdom. Transitioning to that very last point, uh, in verse 25 we read, but if we hope, for what we have not seen, we eagerly wait for it in perseverance. So that is the hard part. Waiting is the hard part. It's like a bridegroom that stands at the end of the aisle awaiting his bride. Uh, engagement's over, it's been many months, but just awaiting that day for that wedding day to appear and for seeing his bride walk down that aisle. It's, the waiting associated with being one uh, united in marriage uh, it's it's an enduring waiting uh, it is per, you need perseverance and that is a picture that we have here our Lord Jesus Christ is coming to take us under himself uh, our bridegroom coming for his bride the church but we await in patience the key to persevering in suffering is Keeping our eyes fixed, not, not just on the inheritance that we have, not just on all the future glory that he has promised for us, but fixing our eyes on the bridegroom. Her eyes, not her garments, but on her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. And that will help us endure and persevere, and wait. So while we wait, standing, uh, I submit that we stand on the rock. Stand on the rock, and he will give us the strength, and he is with us. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for redeeming our souls. We thank you that you have redeemed us out of every lawless deed to bring us into the family of God as an adopted son with all its privileges and blessings but more than anything to call you Abba, dear Daddy. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you uh, for what you have provided for us in your son. Help us, Lord, as we go through this world of suffering, of decay, of corruption uh, and be ourselves our bodies that we would have an eternal perspective that we would never take our eyes off Jesus uh, that we would stand on that rock when the whelming floods come that we would be strengthened in the faith that we would love you and serve you with all our hearts and soul and might until that very day when you call us home to be in your presence until then help us Lord to be awaiting people help us Lord to be strengthened by you for we know us that you are with us even unto the end of the age father we pray for the saints here that you would strengthen them those that are in weakness those that are going through uh, difficulties that cannot be explained which only you knowest that you would strengthen your saints that you would comfort give them peace, knowing that you are with them. We give you thanks for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his matchless and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.